You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killy. Morning. My name is Zach. I'm a pastor here at New Hope. That's weird to say. Uh, Thank you uh, to all of you that came to the ordination. It was really awesome to have you all there. Um, And thank you guys for just being like family to me over these last few years and uh, encouraging me and being there for me at every turn. And uh, I just hope to have a whole lot of years with you guys if you'll have me. Uh, But today we're talking about loving the vulnerable. Um, We're pretty blessed. I don't know that we always recognize it. Um, I don't think we realize how blessed we are. Uh, Most of us in this room don't worry if we're going to have a hot meal tonight. We don't worry if we're going to have a place to lay our heads tonight. We don't generally uh, um, worry about having people that support us, like family or friends, at least the majority of us. Um, You know, we we don't suffer uh, from a lot of physical ailments. I mean, there there are always outliers among these things, but as a whole, we're in pretty good health. We've got food. We've got shelter. We've got people behind us. We've got money. I don't think we recognize how much money we have. Did you know as of four years ago, if you make $34,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of earners globally? Top 1% of the wealthiest people in the world at $34,000 a year. There's a lot of people that are like, I don't know, I'm going to make it on $34,000. That's crazy. We're some of the wealthiest people in the world at that. That's nuts. That's crazy to think about. It's also crazy because there's a whole lot of people out there that don't know if they're going to have a hot meal tonight, that don't know if they're going to have a place to lay their head, that don't have people that love them and support them and can be behind them. They, maybe they have really bad physical health. Maybe they're poor. Maybe they don't have any money. And so we care about that here at New Hope. And uh, as of a week ago, Randy kind of threw down the gauntlet, and he was like, here's what we're shooting for. And he gave us this big challenge by 2024. I said 2014 first service, and everybody was laughing at me, so I'm sorry. But 2024, we want to to reach all these people, all these unchurched people, have all these baptisms, these big numbers, these big goals. And I'm going to throw a few more at you today. By 2024, we want 15 families serving refugee families. We want 20 families serving foster or adoption families. We want 12 families serving special need families. And we want 12 families serving those facing poverty and homelessness. That's really not crazy. That's really not a lot. Um, The reason it's so low is because it's based on our current work in that. It's, It's based on our current numbers projected three years from now. We can shoot way beyond that. We are so capable of achieving so much more than that. And I think most people sitting in this room are probably going to be like, absolutely, let's get behind that. Let's make that happen. New Hope can make that happen. Let me know how that goes. (laughs) Because we've all got busy schedules. We got jobs. We got, a lot of us got kids. We got crazy, hectic schedules. I understand. I have a crazy, hectic schedule, but it's not an excuse. And so today... What I want to talk to you about is is not all the reasons why we should be helping 
the vulnerable. Why we should be loving the vulnerable. Everyone agrees on that already. We all agree that's what we should be doing. So I'm here to tell you why our reasons that we don't aren't good enough. That's uplifting, right? So I think it's fair to say probably the biggest thing that stands in our way when it comes to helping those that really need it is we get intimidated. I think we get scared. I think we look at the situation and go, well, I don't know anything about that. I'm not so familiar with all these, these situations. I don't know that I could be a great help to that. And, and, and maybe God's putting it on your heart to help people in need, to help the vulnerable. But then these questions start popping up in your head. All these thoughts start popping up. You start asking questions like, well, where would I even start? Like, what is, what is square one? I don't know anything about this. Or maybe you're thinking, well, look, me and my family are just a few people. What difference are we really going to make in, in, in the, the bigger picture here, right? It's just a few of us. Maybe you're thinking, I'm not the right person for this job. I think all those things all the time when it comes to really helping the people that need it. Um, but the cool thing is the Bible gives us a story. Um, it's about Moses. Moses is wandering through the desert and he sees a burning bush. The, the bush or the tree, whatever you want to call it, it's on fire. But it's not consumed. It's not consumed by the flame. And God speaks out from the flame and he says, Moses, you're my guy. He says, I need you to go to Egypt because my people are crying out to me and I hear them. They're, they're enslaved, they're in pain, they're, they're treated poorly and I, I want you to know I haven't forgot them, I hear them. And so I'm sending you and you're gonna go to Pharaoh and you're gonna look at him and you're gonna say, you're letting my people go and I'm taking them with me and you're gonna bring them back here and they're gonna worship me at this mountain. And Moses is like, oh man, yeah, I don't think I'm the guy for that. And God's like, no, 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 you, you don't understand. Like I'm going with you. I'll be with you, Moses. He says, yeah, that's great. But like, what, if, what do I tell him? Who do I say sent me? And he said, I am who I am. So you tell them I am sent you. You tell them the God of the universe sent you. He's like, what, what, if, what if they don't believe me? And he's like, okay, you, you've got that staff? He said, you throw it on the ground. And when you throw it on the ground, it's going to turn to a snake. And when you reach out to take it, it's going to turn back into a staff. And you're going to pick it up. And if they still don't believe you, you're going to take your hand and you're going to reach it inside your shirt. And you're going to pull it out and it's going to be covered in leprosy. And you're going to pull it back in. And when you pull it back out again, it's going to be clean. You're going to be healed. And if they don't believe that, take your staff and you're going to go to the Nile River and you're going to take that staff and you're going to dip it in the water. And the whole Nile will turn to blood. And they'll believe that. And he's like, yeah, but like, I'm, I'm really not a good public speaker, so I don't think this is going to work out. And he's like, who gave you a voice to speak? Who gave you a mouth? Who gave you the, the thought to even create sentences to think about what you want to say? I'm God. I'm with you. You need to go now. And Moses says, I hear you, but I'm just not the right guy. And so God, angry at Moses, said, fine then take your brother Aaron. He's going to speak for you. You talk to him. He's going to speak for you. But recognize I'm the one doing the work here. I'm speaking through both of you. And they go, and Moses and Aaron save Israel because God empowers them to save Israel. See, the moral of the story is it's not Moses. It's not Aaron. God could have picked anyone he wanted. He could have sent any average Joe into Egypt and, it, and Israel would have been saved because it was God doing the work. It wasn't Moses. 
It wasn't Aaron, and it wouldn't have even taken two of them. He only sent two because Moses was being a baby about it. If he just would have listened and gone alone, it would have been the same outcome. He would have saved Israel from Egypt. It's not about us, because we put ourselves in that same situation. God's putting people on our heart all the time. We're going, I'm just not the right guy. It's not about us. It's about God. So don't be intimidated. And you may be tracking with me thus far, and you're like, okay, good points. Fair enough. I'd love to get behind, you know, families helping special needs uh, members. I would love to get behind families that are adopting or in the foster system. I want to know how I can help those people. You may be thinking, I look to our African brothers and sisters, refugees. I want to help people that need us. I, I, want, I want to help people become accommodated when they're new here, when they're a, a new part of this, this country. I want to help people that, that you know, are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's all good. That's great. We need all of that. But would you say the same about the Muslim refugees? down in Atterbury, 30 minutes down the road. That's a different situation. They don't think like me. They don't worship the same God as me. For some of us, that might be scary. I get that. I was raised on 9-11 fear. I was raised on, I was in third grade in Mrs. Darlage's class, and I remember it all, and it was terrifying. And for the next 10 years of my life, I was basically just force-fed force by the media that every Muslim I met might be a terrorist. And I went through my life in the back of my mind kind of thinking that. I didn't hate Muslims, but I didn't get close to them because I didn't know if I could trust them. I, I'd only ever heard one story. I didn't know what I could believe. And then God blessed me with a situation. He let me work for a Muslim man two years ago. And I went into that situation, and it was scary. I didn't know, like, what's on the table to talk about, what isn't, what can I ask about his religion, what can't I, what, what kind of conversation can we have, what's too far, what isn't. And let me tell you something. That man was good to me. He was very good to me. I went through a time when I, I it, was, it was a weird money situation, and I didn't know if I was going to have to go find a better job that was going to pay me more than the barber shop. And so I went to him and I said, hey, man, I, I don't know uh, if I'm going to be able to keep working here. And he looked at me and he said, what do I have to do? What, what do you need? What can I do for you, Zach? You're family to me. You're like a brother to me. You are a good employee. I trust you. What do you need? And I was like, no, 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 man, I don't need anything. I just, uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And so I did. I figured it out and I went about life and um, I got through it. But months later, realized that he was putting more in my account than we had ever agreed on. He was taking less of his own cut in order for me to benefit so I could get through the time, even though I told him not to. And he never told me about it. I just figured it out later. That's a man that I spent my whole life being afraid of people like him. But he was a good man. He is a good man, and he's not a believer. He's not a Christian. But then look at me, the believer, and I'm the guy that's too afraid to even talk to people like him for most of my life because of what the media has told me, because of what has been the general thought in this world. And it just took me getting to know him and, make, and having a relationship with him and knowing him. You know, we have to do that. We have to break down barriers 
between us and people that we don't know, that we don't, we don't understand, that are culturally different from us, that maybe our cultures told us to be afraid of, whether it's, you know, Russia or China or whatever, you know, like, we can't be afraid of people. We got to love people. It doesn't matter if we agree with them. That's a whole different story, but we got to love them. Maybe it's homeless people. Sometimes I see homeless people, I'll be honest, every time I see homeless people, my first thought is, if I give them money, they're going to buy drugs with it. They're going to buy alcohol. They might not even be homeless. And like I wrestle with that every time I pull up to a stop and there's a guy there and he looks like he really does need help. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I just don't know if I can trust him. Like, what if he's just pulling a fast one on me and just taking advantage of me? And the thing is, Jesus kind of deals with a situation like that. I want to go to John 13, 1 through 17. It says, <clears throat> it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew he was going to, or who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus knew that Judas was going to leave that place and hand him over to the men that would kill him. Jesus knew that Peter would deny him three times, that he even knew him the next day. And he still washed their feet. He still washed the feet of the men that he knew were going to burn him. These guys are going to let me down. One's going to get me killed. One's going to deny that he even knows me. And he washed their feet. Maybe. Maybe it's not so much about whether or not we get burned, but it's about the fact that we loved. I think God cares more about the disposition of my heart, that I go out of my way to put myself in harm's way to love somebody, knowing that there is a chance that I may get burned. It's not our place to look at somebody and say, oh, I know what they're going to do. They're just going to go take this money and buy drugs or alcohol. Maybe they're not homeless. Maybe they're just trying to make money. It's not my place to assume and then decide that. 
It's just my place to love. Now hear me out. What I am not saying is to just feed somebody's habit. If you know for a fact that person is a drug addict, if you know for a fact that that person is an alcoholic, if you know for a fact they're not homeless, don't just give them money. But you know what you can do? You can walk up to them and you can introduce yourself and you can say, hi, I'm Zach. What's your name? And ask them about who they are. Get to know them. Ask, find out how they got to this point. But don't just dismiss it and walk away. Ask them who they are. Get to know them. Because here's the deal. Once you've established that relationship and you know the root of the issue, you can address the root of the issue. You can give them grace and truth. You don't have to give them money. Maybe if they're hungry, you buy them a meal. And then you say, okay, let's take this a step further. I look at my dad throughout my life. I've watched my dad walk up to homeless people and not just say, hey, here's a few dollars and then walk on. But walk up and say, hey, how'd you get here? Okay, listen, let's get you a job. I'm going to put you up in a hotel for a couple days or whatever, but I want, to, I want to go through this process with you. Meet me here tomorrow. We're going to go get you a job. And try and, try and teach that person to, to take care of themselves, right? Now, maybe, maybe it doesn't always work. Maybe sometimes you get burned, but that's just part of loving people. We get burned, right? Jesus got burned, and he did it anyways. He knew it was going to happen, and he did it anyways. We don't have to be stupid about it. We can address the root of the issue. Even when Jesus washed the feet of Peter and Judas, he looked at the room and he said, one of you is going to betray me. He eventually looks at Judas and he says, go do what you got to do. He knew. And he did it anyways. He looks at Peter and he says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. And Peter says, no, I won't. He says, yes, you will. And he did it anyways. The point is, he showed them love but he still spoke to the heart of the issue. He still called them out. He still tried to walk them through it the best he could. I think we can do that too. The crazy thing about John 13 is it levels the playing field. What Jesus is doing here is the God of the universe is stepping down and becoming a servant. Let's read it. It says, uh, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Do you see what's happening here? Jesus, God is stepping down and making himself the lowest of positions. The lowest, a servant. And he's saying, I'm your master. You're less than me. If you call me Lord, then recognize you're below me. But I have made myself as low as it gets in this society. I have got down and done the job of a servant. I've lived the life of a servant. And so I'm calling all of you who call me Lord to recognize you are servants. Not one of you is better than the next. Not one higher, not one lower. You are all equally servants in this kingdom. And you see what that does is it keeps us from showing pity on people, looking down on people, saying, man, those poor people, they've just got it so bad. And I've just got it so good. And just let me, I, I'm just going to help these people. You can't do that. 
You can't do that in the kingdom because God's calling you to recognize you're as low as it gets. You're not good. We're all broken. We're all only saved by grace. Everything we have is a blessing from God himself, and it's not even ours. It's, our, it, it's God's, and we're to steward it and give it away and love one another and help each other. Not one of us is better than the next. It levels the playing field. Success starts with prayer. If we're going to do this, if we're going to recognize we are all servants to one another and we got to be on the lookout, we got to be looking for our brothers and sisters in this world that need our help, then it starts with prayer, but it does not end with prayer. I'm a firm believer that the church at large, especially in Western culture, prayer has dissipated. It is not what it should be. Some of us may not pray every few hours. Some of us may not pray every day. Some of us may not pray every week. Some of us may not pray at all. Maybe it's been years. But the Bible tells us you never stop praying. You be in constant conversation with God saying, okay, God, what do you got for me now? Where am I going? Show me. Who needs me? What can I do? Thanking him, praising him, asking him for what you need. It's just a constant dialogue, and we've got to get that back. If we don't get that back, if we don't start that now, we're never going to succeed in this. And so I challenge you, start praying today. And if you don't know how, that's okay. It doesn't matter. It's just a conversation. If you know how to talk to your neighbor, if you know how to talk to your boyfriend or girlfriend or best friend, husband, wife, you know how to talk to God. That's it. Ask for what you need. Thank him for what he's given you. Ask him where to go. That's it. And the thing is, once you start praying, once you get that mentality where you're like, God, okay, what next? Where, where next? When you live in that mindset, you're going to see what needs to be done. It's going to pop out at you. You're going to see people left and right that need your help. And you're going to feel it when you don't help them. You're going to feel it when you brush it off because the deeper in a relationship you get with God, the, the more distant you try to be from what he's calling you to, the more you hurt for it. And that's good. That is a blessing. I'll be honest. There is someone in my life right now that I am being called to talk to and I haven't done it. I have not done it because it's awkward and it's weird and I don't want to look stupid. That's it. I got no excuses. It's, so, it's this guy that lives in my apartment building. If you were in my rooted group, I was talking about this four months ago. Still haven't done it. He sits over there and he looks lonely. He doesn't fall into the category. I don't know that he falls into the category of a vulnerable person, but he looks lonely. He sits out there. I've never seen another person standing with him, never hanging out with him. He just sits there and he watches his phone out on his porch and he's got it all decorated up to look so cool. And I really think he just wants people to come talk to him. And I won't do it, even though every time I walk past him, something in the back of my head goes, you need to talk to that guy. Like, how hard would it be to just walk up to him and say, hey, I'm Zach. It's nice to meet you, man. What's your name? Uh, we, you know, I've lived here for a year, and I, I just never said hey, and I just wanted to do that. And if you ever want to, you know, have a drink and just hang out and talk, like, let me know. I'd love to do that. What's so hard about that? What's so weird about that? But I won't do it. And so what I want to challenge you to do is recognize who in your life is being put on your heart like that. Because I'll tell you what, every single one of us, there's somebody. 
There's somebody that you need to call. Maybe you haven't talked to in a long time. Maybe it's somebody that you see on the street. Maybe it's somebody in your apartment complex or in the neighborhood, and you just feel like you should have reached out to them and you haven't. Maybe it's somebody at work, but like there's somebody in your life that God is telling you to reach out to and love on. I'll do it this week. I hope you'll do the same. Please pray for me. I need that. I will pray for you. Pray for one another. Don't stop praying. Let's start loving people. We look at this world and it's so busted. It's so screwed up. And we're like, man, I just wish somebody would fix this. And like, we keep holding out, hoping it's the next guy elected or it's the right social media post. But I'm telling you, it is the church. It is the people of God. It is little people, servants on the bottom rung like you and me. Nobodies that are going to make this world different by loving each other. And we got no excuse because God's with us. God's with you. Love the vulnerable. If you want to be Jesus in every corner of our world, recognize that God is with you. Go love the vulnerable. That's it. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.